0: Hey, welcome to Pro AV by Market Skill. We're here with a special guest. He is Anthony Coppage from Rave. He is the contributing editor for that, but he does so much more that we may not be considering. Of he's the house of uh, worship thought leader for them. He's also worked tons of years for the AV industry, the ministry world of the church staff, and the corporate space for various technology companies. He's a committee member for the National Religious Broadcasters Association. He's written for several publications like the Outreach Magazine, Sound and Communications Magazine. Pro AV News, Church Production Magazine. I mean,
1: Anthony, when does the list end here? Uh, you can keep going. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I've just had a, a real, a real opportunity to be tapped by some some new thought leaders to to add my two cents. You know, the house of worship space is bigger, I think, than most AV um, manufacturers and uh, integrators would understand it to be. And so I've done my best to try to be a voice of reason saying, "Hey, you guys need to pay attention because this market is passing you by."
0: What exactly got you into the pro AV industry? Like I know that it takes a hook to get you in, but what's let you, like what's allowed you to stay in this industry and what what keeps you going nowadays?
1: Well, what got me in and what lets me stay are two different things. So, what got me in was I worked for churches. So, I it was the guy, you know, in at working with dealers and manufacturers trying to figure out how do we leverage technology. And we're talking back in the in the 90s and, and 2000s, so um, for a while. But what's kept me in it is I would say it this way. I don't think I've ever learned to achieve uh, escape velocity. And so I continue to find myself in the uh, AV orbit, <laughs> try as I might not to. Um, I just can't seem to escape it. My focus has really shifted much more towards um, digital marketing and content marketing automation. And, uh, and I speak from that perspective of here's, I know the churches, I know the manufacturers i have consulted with them. I've consulted, I've worked for AV dealers. So I've, there's all three sides of that triangle I'm a part of. And for me to then speak on rave about those things is coming from that very unique set of experiences saying, this is, this is what it's like. And so I want to bring that clarity so that there's a way for a, the industry to understand the value of this market and really some significant opportunity for them to, to do very well, profitable uh, in this market. And really, I like to debunk the myths about it. You know, there, there are some big myths about the church market that I would like to say, yeah, that's probably not true or it's true in this segment. But if you consider X or Y, you would find a different story.
0: Right, so let's let's talk about your work with Rave. So you have a lot of experience that is uh, really contributing to your knowledge. I mean, you're an adjunct professor for Infocom. Well, now it's Avixa. I mean, Avixa, so, yeah. You, you are working for their House of Worship thought leadership for Rave, and you also have tons of industry experience. You want to maybe expand on some of the various companies that you've worked for and kind of what type of projects you were involved in.
1: Sure, yeah. I remember uh, one of your episodes you talked with Kelly Perkins over at AVI, and I was there before she was because AVI SPL has become, you know, like a giga contractor, a giga integrator. Um, but I was back working for Marty and his team when I led the uh, Dallas sales office. And so that was, um, I feels like an eon ago, but that was back when projector people was really the focus. And oh, by the way, we should probably do integration since we have this huge inventory. And uh, so I, you know, know that space, did some fun work with some neat clients, American Airlines, uh, Mary Kay, corporate headquarters, um, EDS systems, um, Nortel network, Cisco systems. Uh, it's that was the fun corporate side. But but in the middle of all that, I because of my church background and my network of churches, I was constantly involved in um, in the church space, too. And I just found that it was not hard for me to excel there. And that really came down to two things. one is having a focus that says, I really get it what it's like to be in your shoes was very helpful. And I think AV integrators should hire more former church staff. Um, but the other side of that was not thinking of myself ever as a salesperson, even as a sales manager. I've just never thought of myself as a salesperson. I I just want to bring solutions and help people understand how to not only meet the pain points and get those out of the way, but show them what's possible to open their eyes to what the technology can do um, and not let the tail wag the dog. So...
0: Yeah, so when we're talking about uh, the house of worship, there's a lot of myths, like you said previously, that might be preventing certain churches from moving that direction. But really, there's so much out there. There's so much possibility. And so would you be able to extend to our audience maybe some of the recent developments that are happening specifically in the house of worship?
1: Absolutely. Well, so part of this is the house of worship market is a lot larger, I think, than most uh, in the AV industry would understand. You know, there are, on estimate, the numbers are 350,000 local churches in the United States alone. About 315,000 of those are Protestant, about 25,000 are Catholic or Orthodox, and then other or non-Christian or whatever makes up another 12,000. So it is, you know, by and large, a Protestant um, focus, and that's the focus that I've had. You're just not going to see too many AV systems in Catholic and Orthodox churches, right? That's just not the vibe that they're going for. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't focus on those market spaces. Um, You know, you do hear some things about the decline of the church. And yeah, that's true. The mainline denominations, you know, your big ones, uh, Methodist, Southern Baptist, um, Episcopal, those have had some significant um, downturns. And I think it's because of their model was pretty outdated though there obviously are exceptions in every space, they have seen a, a decrease year over year. And that's been talked about a lot. Um, you look at the church growth stats. But what's not talked about as much, I don't think, is the non-denominational and what's called charismatic denominations. Those are actually growing and growing significantly. In fact, um, one of the big trends is, is mega churches. This is a term used to describe churches that have 2,000 people in weekly attendance or more. Um, there were, uh, as of 2012, 1600 of those churches that were counted. I've not been able to find any data that, uh, that gets me more recent, but if you look at the growth curve, it's easy to project that there should be about 2000 of them now, um, which is significant. So, two thousand churches running two thousand or more of that. America's two hundred largest churches now begin at six thousand in average weekend attendance, and America's one hundred largest churches now begin at nine thousand average weekend attendance. So, this is the significant departure from you know your grandma's church. Um, it is interesting to note, though, that weekend attendance at both the smallest churches and the largest churches in the Church Growth Today uh, magazines, their 100 largest church issue, uh, come from said that they have grown five times larger on both ends than at the beginning of the decade in 2000. I think that's due to a couple of big trends. One, the megachurch market um, has grown because of multi-site. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the small church has grown because there are people that just don't want the megachurch. And so you've got the smaller churches the also on the on the increase, and that's interesting uh, data. But the bottom line is that's three hundred something thousand churches that are worth targeting, and um, and that's not a small install base, right? So, right. and that's just the number of churches. Once you start thinking multi-site, which is more than one campus, a church might have uh, more than one campus. Might use video venues to drive video of the sermon over. They might have live worship, but then they'll drive you know video over for the sermon. And now you've effectively created a a multi-site strategy, and of those, there's more than 8,000 multi-site churches now. And I, I think that number is also a little bit old, so it, I probably am going to say around the 10,000 mark. Um, and so of those you're looking at, it means at least two churches, two church sites, if you think about it. So if you think of 8,000 8, multi-site churches, that's at least 16,000 venues, right? So right. you just got to think, and, and many of these have many more than that. So it's it's not hard to see the opportunity from a technology play Uh, You've got to be able to have consistency, backup, redundancy, and training that makes those mirrored sites as efficient as possible. So now you're not just selling an install, you're selling a series of installs, and you're building it into a larger network. That's something that's, you know, within the last 20 years, it has come to be. Really, in the last 15, as we've seen video venues um, really take off. So there's, there's just massive opportunity for the AV space.
0: Absolutely. So let's talk about mega churches for a minute. You're in Dallas, Fort Worth, just like I am. And so Dallas, Fort Worth is a massive haven for massive churches. So, like, you th- you're thinking of Watermark, you're thinking of First Dallas, you're thinking of the Village, um, Fellowship, Elevation. Like, you're thinking of all these churches. What type of technology yep, is
1: going on? Concord, uh, Potter's House. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, th- they, they, they go on I think and on. Thirty, thirty-two, I think, in the Dallas Fort Worth area alone.
0: Right, and so uh, you're you're thinking of all this massive potential for AV technology to flourish here. What type of technology are these large scale churches like? Small scale churches obviously don't have the budget. I mean, I'm even across the street right now from First Dallas, and they have one of the most, uh, f- like, one of the most um, impressive broadcast setups I've ever seen. They even have cameras that are nicer than ESPN. So yes, when you're thinking do. about the large scale churches, what, like, what type of technology are they going forward and using? A lot of our listeners might be surprised what these churches are using because they're using hugely popular and very efficient, um, industry technology. So uh, yeah. you
1: go further into that yeah, so like fellowship church, you know, I used to uh, volunteer there and I directed about half the weekends for six or seven years and did their conferences. And, um, you know, that was, uh, the switch there, they went from, um, um, which was I want to say it was a uh, a range Grass Valley twelve hundred or something, but they went to a Sony MBS nine thousand, right? That's the same thing that switches the Super Bowl and the production trucks, um, and so it's all um, HDSDI, um, and it's gorgeous, and it gives you the ability to do a lot in terms of routing. So, that you have, for example, live in service, you have this, what's called IMAG image magnification. So, you take the, the tight shots of what the people can't see once they're past, you know, eight rows back, and you put that on the screen. But, but you don't want to take the broadcast feed, which is going to the internet or a television show, for example, and put the wide shots. The people at home don't, they're not in the room, so you have to show them the room. So, you have this idea of, of much more of a television style. Well, you don't want to mix that. And so there's no reason for me sitting in the wide shot to see a wide shot. It doesn't add anything. That's that's demagnification, right? So there it requires having, you know, multiple MEs, multiple routers, um, and sometimes multiple, uh, switches. So it's, it's significant when you think about these guys are putting 80 by lenses, hundred by Digi, you know, Canon lenses or Fiji lenses on, um, you know, box cameras, uh, it's, it's really remarkable. So this is. This is at the very highest end. Uh, that's just on the video side. Audio, it's, you know, completely digital. So you're seeing um, people using uh, very high-end Yamaha or Midas um, consoles at that space. You're looking at, you know, Willow Creek up in Chicago actually has two sound systems. One is for speech only, and one is for the worship. Um, and they and that's just the way they ran that 7,000-seat room. So, um it's unique to f- to figure this out, and the lighting side um, looks a lot more like a concert venue um, in some of these places. So, we'll find not just dozens but hundreds of, of moving fixtures or um, LED washes, et cetera. And it's a challenge because you've got to think about how how that all comes together. What what looks great in the stage for a theatrical look, you know, with some wash may look terrible on camera. So there's this constant consideration of you know what do you do to to make it a both and or, or an either or if you're making a choice those are things that i don't think uh, most integrators even think about that it's there's full broadcast even if they don't go to television it's broadcast setups because of the internet and that leads to a particular thing called church online which is people now um, are staffing church online where they have people um, there to pray with them and, and answer questions in real-time chat while they have the service go live um, so it becomes an interactive format. Well, that's a that's a broadcast switch in a lot of those scenarios.
0: Yeah, I know that a lot of churches are approaching the I campus field. Not that not that they're really looking to supplement that, but it's it's reaching a lot more, you know, people that don't have the schedule to have a Sunday and they're even taking uh, they're really taking the I campus seriously. Like you said, they're they're staffing them. They have people live on like live on the broadcast, waiting to pray for them. So you're absolutely right there.
1: It's a huge opportunity. And a lot of this is growth strategy, right? So the churches realize that, uh, especially um, the mega churches are realizing you can only put so many people in one space and not have logistical nightmare for parking and childcare and all that. So, um, and then the, the during the week, you're talking about weekend services, but then churches want people to be involved during the week. And that may be at the campus or small group or whatever. But the point is that what you're looking at is a growth strategy that says if we look at the the uh, database, a church database of where people are coming from and where they live, once you get that information, then it becomes pretty easy to plot where you would put another campus to reach the people that, you know, on Sunday there's no traffic. They don't mind driving 20, 25 minutes. But in Dallas Fort Worth, if you want to get somewhere after school and for an evening thing, that might be a two hour drive. So or an hour and a half or fifty-five minutes or something like that. So what they would do is say, we want to put a campus close to them. So then multi-site comes in. And then what you're calling iCampus or the virtual campus thing, that's really for people that while they're traveling or they're introducing their friends to it, or you know some opportunity to not physically be there and homesick, uh, that you have a chance to still be a part of it. So there's a lot of technology at play for this. And it, it really needs to be addressable, network addressable. It needs to be um, seen by the, the few staff that manages because it's mostly volunteers, right? And they need to know what's going on at any campus, any venue at any time. So now control is a lot more than room control and HVAC. Now we're talking about system diagnostics and operational control for multiple venues from an iPad or from a laptop. And that becomes more and more important the more spread out they get uh, because you can only have so many you know staff members before you just you can't afford more. So Technology has a, a big opportunity. I've written about a lot of that on Rave, uh, saying that I, I think there's some significant opportunities. For example, in, uh, in the last five and a half years of writing for Rave's House of Worship as their, you know, their person for this, I've talked about understanding church buyers, multi-site churches and video venues, who vendors shouldn't sell to, content marketing. Uh, you know, for how, do you, how do you use content marketing to reach churches? the cloud, the church and content curation, understanding church buyer sentiment and the buying cycle of churches. And then even what we talked about there at the end is, you know, if you build it, they will hack it. How UX and UI for churches needs to change so that you're not giving them the same something you would for corporate or government. You're giving them something that's unique to their, their venue. And so the language even for the GUI should reflect how they use it. And so those are things that you don't see a lot of... Con- the manufacturers considering though I've been promoting it for years is a viable strategy. I wrote about game theory, right? How much of this comes into the play of how we need to think about it. Of course it translates well beyond the church market, but I, but my focus is look, this works here. It would also work in other spaces. Um, and I've been, I, you know, I don't know if I'm terribly accurate at it, but I think I've been pretty accurate at, at predicting to vendors what's going to happen in the church market. In 2012, I said, the church is mobile. And the future is mobile. So you got to look, they're going to look for you on mobile before anything else. In 2013, I said, selling to churches, you better use social media campaigns. And then that's, you know, several years ago when social media was still relatively new from, uh, from a brand management perspective. In 2014, I, I said, look, $580 million is going to be spent this year on just multi-site churches for AV technology. In 2015, I said, you're going to have fewer large installations and more frequent small iterations, mostly due to multi-campus, multi-venue. In 2016, I said, we need more manufacturer training um, at the church conferences and at the industry conferences where churches attend. And then this year, I've said that vendors need to understand cost appreciation and the amortization of the technology. And really, the point of that is, when you look at a, a big ticket, you know, $2 2 million dollar install or 100,000 dollar install and I wrote about this specifically and gave examples the idea is that if you break that down into the cost per service it becomes more feasible so if a church has you know 3 services per weekend and they have 52 weekends you know it's so 956 services well take that over a 10 year amortization of how long the most of the technology is going to last. And so suddenly you start talking about 80 bucks a week, right? Like, suddenly that's really effective a way for the pastors to understand what is, what, how important is you? Is it to you to be up high availability? failures really not an option in a lot of these are more like a network command center than they are, a, you know, a corporate training center. And, and what does it look like? Would you pay $20 more a week or uh, per service for that? Oh well yeah that makes a ton of sense right you have to just change the way you're selling it you change the way you're presenting it to understand their world which is the key to any sales right but for the church market cost per service becomes one of the most important
0: absolutely so uh, when you're when you're when you're seeing all these factors come into play there's a lot of challenges that you mentioned so uh, I want to close it off with this and you've been extremely helpful in kind of outlining what manufacturers and systems administrators should look out for even integrators in this space What would be your final piece of advice for them um, looking ahead to the future of church media? Because there's a lot of money at play here. You were mentioning, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars is just going to be spent on multi-site churches. And that's just multi-site churches. You're not even thinking of the smaller or even these other types. So what is your advice for the manufacturers and systems administrators moving forward uh, in the house of worship space?
1: Well, you know, um one of the things I would say is, you know, in December every year I write the best I write an article on Rafe called the best ads of the year. And it's morphed a little bit to not only be the best examples of of manufacturers, vendors, systems integrators, dealers, reaching, targeting churches, it's its good examples of what to do. I've now started showing what not to do. And it's not to shame anybody. It's simply to say, guys, this is why this doesn't work. And I think it's very helpful. So that's coming out here um, on Rave this month. So keep your eye open for that. But my specific advice to manufacturers is two things. You need to understand that churches are pretty much recession-proof. When the economy is good, giving goes up. When the economy isn't good more people go to church and giving catches up you need to stop thinking of churches as mom and pop smbs they are more technologically savvy now and they're more akin like i said to knox network operations centers than they are to corporate um, command centers or corporate training rooms or corporate conference rooms. Redundancy and high availability are key, right? Especially the larger the venue or if in multi-site, if the if the projectors go down, you don't have a sermon playing, right? So it becomes critical technology. It's not just nice to have. I would say that um, the manufacturers need to think about MDF funds differently to provide real funds that that are tracked and understood as having a real ROI. I made the case. Um, in an article I wrote about shifting to what I call client MDF funds. So rather than saying, um, you know, I'm a projector manufacturer, I'm an audio manu- uh, console manufacturer, I'm a lighting manufacturer, and I'm just going to spend my, send money to my distributors and dealers, and they're going to do some ads, I'm actually going to say, hey, I'm going to provide real funds from the manufacturer to churches to spend on new upgrades and technologies for churches that are willing to be a responsible demonstration facility and let other churches come in and manage that process and have customer success stories on an ongoing basis. I think those are important shifts for the advice for systems integrators and dealers would be look, you got to design audio, video, and lighting systems for the church user experience. And that's a, that's a big shift away from just any you know, large venue, uh, black box theater. You have to think about it differently. So how do you do that? You hire salespeople from the church market, people like me, others who have done it before, they know that space, bring them in. Um, Though I'm not saying cherry pick your current clients while they're still there, build the relationship in such a way that when they've reached the point where they're ready to do something new, that you have that relationship, you can bring them on and I think that's very valuable. And then up to the integrators and dealers. Gosh, stop selling the what. Stop telling me specs and features and benefits. Sell me why. Sell value proposition. Those are critical. And then finally, my advice to every vendor: I don't care if you're a manufacturer, system integrator, dealer, consultant. Look, the early two thousands are calling, and they all want their websites back. Like it is terrible in the AV space how we, a technology industry, generally speaking, have horrible, outdated um websites. And it's there's you gotta think vertical, think vertical markets, vertical segments, and vertical buyer personas. Build landing pages. Find help the targeted users find answers. Target it to a persona. Understand the buyer pain points. Address those. And then use the inverted pyramid journalism style for making the pages easy to understand. Uh, put forms on there. Give away something, gate the content, get an email address, get a phone number, get a name understand, give to get right so they're going they're going to get some they're going to get a nice download of the ten best tips for whatever awesome um here, give us a little bit of information. we'll give that that pdf to use via email. You want to build a database and understand so landing pages are critical and it, this is not new at all, but it's it seems to be new to this industry and then finally, understand it's a complex buying process. There are multiple decision makers. I'm a big fan of the book, um, The Challenger Customer, written by um, a, a research firm. And it teaches how to understand, uh, to how to rethink your marketing message and sales approach so that you understand that when you're not selling to one person, you're selling to a group. And you have to have that group think. And then what does it mean? They talk about moving taking people from A to B. They come in saying, we need A, but they probably don't need A. They probably need B. You have to very kindly show them they're wrong and then help them see what's possible. There's there's a lot to this. This is more than just a technology play with a better website, and whatever. There's, There's a whole methodology. There's a whole sales process. There's a whole marketing emphasis that really needs to change. So this market, this industry really to get better at understanding how to meet the needs of specific vertical markets like the house of worship.
0: Man, Anthony, it has been a pleasure to have you on, and just your knowledge is insurmountable to anything I've ever heard. I mean, just the advice that you have, just your expertise, I am blown away at just how much you know about this industry and the advice that you just gave about changing your entire approach to this. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, websites need to change. I think marketing of efforts need to completely be flipped over I mean, I, I completely agree with you. And so Anthony, I just, I I love everything that you're saying. If, if, if somebody listening right now wants to continue to follow what you're saying, I know they can go to ravepubs.com and find their house of worship publication. Is there any social media that you can share with them or any other websites that you write for?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, just, I'm so, I'm so easy to find Anthony Coppage. Um, it's, and Twitter is Anthony Coppage, you know, Facebook, Anthony Coppage, Instagram, Anthony Coppage. I mean, it's just easy. My website's Anthony Coppage. It's just not hard. So those are, I, I just, uh, years ago, I had uh, Brian Blackmore, the uh, owner of Church Production Magazine, when I was looking at starting this consulting service, he said, I said, I'm thinking of some cool names. And he just looked at me and said, dude, your name's a brand. And you're like, you're already known in the space. Uh, use your name. And so I did. And, uh, and I think that's worked very well fairly well. You know, everybody's got to have a differentiator. Um, and I remember you talking to Kelly Perkins um, in one of your episodes about premium differentiators, value-added services, content marketing. And, and she talked about target audiences on a buyer journey and how different it is from B2C to B2B. I get that. I think that you need to know your audience. And I love helping manufacturers, systems, integrators, and dealers do that.
0: Absolutely. Well, Anthony, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show and we're definitely going to need to have you on again. I mean, I, I feel like there's so much more that we didn't get to touch on because I mean, there's just so much in these small topics that we were talking about today. So we're definitely going to have you on board. Is that all right? Uh, of course. All right. Well, Anthony, it, it, once again, we we absolutely love having you on and we definitely uh, can't wait to share this with our audience. And if you want to reach Anthony, like you said, anthonycoppage.com. He's on all the social media platforms at anthonycoppage.com. Uh, so, thank you so much for listening to Pro AV by Market Scale. We're here having guests like Anthony on every single week, of just sharing about the AV industry, what we can do to make it better, some of the challenges, maybe some of the developments that we may not know about. But either way, we're educating you and we're glad that you're tuning in today. Thank you so much, Anthony. It's been a pleasure. The
1: pleasure's been mine.